it looked like the goddamn kindergarten lunch line at the back of the grid <laughs> near the hairpin. It was like they just, I don't even think they even got to get to all the replay. And welcome back to Formula Breakdown. It is round. What round is it even? Between like uh, Imola getting canceled and, and the Chinese Grand Prix never happening. I think this is what, Caleb, race seven? Yes, it's race seven. I just had to count myself. I was like looking through the list. I was like, ah, uh, seven. Yeah, it's round seven. It's Monaco. It's in the pocket. It's out of sight. And just like my introduction, it was... A beautiful mess. You know, I think me and you in our pre-show both talked about how we really weren't expecting this to be a very eventful, fun Sunday, but it did turn into way more entertaining of a watch than I thought it would be, man. Caleb, speaking of things that are out of sight, you, uh, why don't you tell everybody what you're doing right now? Yeah, so I'm in Washington, D.C., taking in the sights, just taking a week vacation. Uh, Today's Memorial Day that we're recording this, so kind of fitting to be in our nation's capital on this day. So having a lot of fun, walking a lot, getting to see a lot of old stuff, and recording a podcast in a hotel room with sheets hung up on the walls to keep it from echoing. And (laughs) I'm propped up on a tissue box right now, so my mic is high enough. So it's, it's interesting. I appreciate the effort, man. I really Yeah, and do. I had to watch the Grand Prix on a cell phone waiting for my flight to board. So luckily I was able to at least watch it, but not in the most optimal situation. Is that how you watch the Indy 500 as well? I didn't even get to watch that. I saw who won. Someone tweeted oh, who won. And I was like, and it wasn't even anybody. I forget how mainstream that race is. And somebody that doesn't even follow racing tweeted it. I was like, ah, oh. I was like, I'm not even going to watch it now. I already know who won. Like. It's like knowing that Iron Man dies at the end of Endgame. Like, what? <laughs> well, spoilers. Sorry to anyone who's in the middle of the 32 movies you have to watch to get to Endgame. It's, it's, that's in the past, I believe. I think everyone knows that. Um, but, anyways, yeah, so it was big spoiler. So I was like, ah, I'm just not going to even watch it. And then I, I got NASCAR got postponed till today. And I watched it until I fell asleep because I walked like, seven and a half miles so woke up to the victory celebration i was like okay well that's about nascar for me so well i appreciate you making some time to record this during your vacation first thing i want to do though is get into some qualifying because usually that's like the exciting bit of monaco and it actually was a pretty exciting qualifying session the main things that jumped out to me were of course checo's accident in q1 so that just kind of threw everything out of whack immediately with the red flag there Yeah, so freaking formula one tv f1 tv spoiled it again for me so i'm going to watch qualifying and a freaking preview for the qualifying highlights and it's checo with his car destroyed and i'm like great okay i know this happens but like why would you even put that as your preview when it's the same day as qualifying just a few hours later like that totally spoiled it for me. I mean, it was still a great qualifying, but at the same time, like part of the excitement or part of the drama was already, I already knew it was going to happen at some point. Luckily it happened in Q1 for me, uh, looking at it from like a spoiler point of view. So I, I was like, okay, well now I get to at least enjoy Q2 and Q3 without knowing what happens. It was definitely the headline 
from the whole day. Like they really should have concealed that a little bit better for people who want to watch the full thing, you know, cause I, I almost never watch, I never watch quality highlights. I almost always watch the full thing. And then if I'm watching it late, I could buffer through like the, the kind of dead time, but I don't want to see spoilers about qualifying, especially for a street race like this. So, but yeah, that was kind of the big headline. And that kind of shook up the order and kind of made Q2 and Q3 a little bit more exciting because, you know, there's going to be opportunities for guys to move up the order. And that's kind of what we saw. Uh, Other notes I made for Saturday where it still seems like Russell is more comfortable in the car, even with these new upgrades. We did see Lewis out qualify Russell at the end of Q3, but saw really Hamilton struggle. I think we both noted that he almost didn't get into Q2. And that was partly due to traffic, but was not looking comfortable. Really hard race for these guys to get thrown into a new car, I think. Yeah, and this is a race that a lot of veterans, I feel like, succeed here. Not people who, I mean, you know, George has been around. He's raced Monaco, but Lewis has won at Monaco and he's raced around it a lot more. And so you kind of, when you have like an equal playing field of car, you would feel like like that veteran mentality is kind of what got Lewis to P6 ahead of Russell, I think, if that makes sense, just the experience behind it. I don't think it was the car or anything, but I do think George is definitely more comfortable in this car, and it may be because he's used to driving pieces of crap all the time, and now he's like, oh, I'm in a Mercedes. I'm not in a Williams anymore, so this is great, but yeah, he Russell definitely does seem better in the it just seems more comfortable it seems like and that may be just lewis giving feedback like he's not comfortable and hey this needs to be changed because he knows what it needs to feel like while lewis i mean not lewis while russell doesn't know what a good car needs to feel like so he doesn't complain as much yeah that's kind of always been my thought like russell's way more used to driving a shit box than hamilton has ever been so but i think like you said he's really leaning on his seven world titles worth of experience and knowledge and 15 years of driving around monaco to overcompensate for his uncomfortableness he feels in the cockpit right now we'll keep watching that i'm definitely excited to see those guys on a faster track um, once they could open that up and not worried about smacking it into the barrier at every corner. The only other big note I have about qualifying was, of course, how close Alonzo got to taking his first pole in like 15 years. It was Put in so a blinder close. lap. It was so good. It was such a good lap. Right at the end of Q3. And then, of course, Max was right behind him, not looking so hot in the first two sectors. But then in the last sector, like the last corner, he hit the wall twice. Yeah, and to be f- fair, fucks to Max. I went back and rewatched it. I mean, he it was a perfect sector three. Yeah, it was amazing. It's just a testament to his comfortableness in the car and what that machine can do. Yeah, really, really fun. Fin- probably the best finish to a qualifying session this year. Yeah, I think Alonso pushed that car as far as he could possibly push. It. I mean, he said, "I'm pushing like an animal. I can't push any harder." So. I think when Alonzo is saying that, you've got to believe it because he does drive a little over the edge all the time. And if he's pushing that hard around Monaco, I thought he was going to have pole. And then I saw Max have, I think he had two yellow sectors or maybe at least one, something like that. He was behind quite a bit. Uh, He was behind like 0.2, I think. And he made up 0.3 in the span of three or four turns or something like that. It's ridiculous. That he was able to pull that off. And that's just a testament to how comfortable he is in that car, like you said. Yeah, Alonzo lost pole by seven or eight tenths of a second. But it made for really good television. Yeah, it was a super qualifying. 
It was a super cool thing. It was one giant Red Bull sandwich because you had Sergio at 20th and Max at first. So I guess the other thing we didn't talk about is our glimpse at the floor of the Red Bull. Our first glimpse at their uh, got to see the Mercedes floor too. Floor. That's true. We did. Well, I forgot whose car it was, but they had. I think it might have been Hamilton's car. That would make sense since he was struggling. I don't want to misspeak, but it was it was one of their. You got to see both of their floors, and I mean there were some similarities, but that's the first time we've really been able to see that Red Bull floor. So with things to come, I mean Ferrari's got two Red Bull engineers. While they are they were reported as like lower totem pole engineers, they were still working on I think last year's car, and they just got off gardening leave. So they can start helping implement new things into this Ferrari car. And Ferrari has stated that they are bringing upgrades every single race from here on out, whether it's minor or major upgrades, who knows, but they are dedicated to improving this car throughout the year. Yep, they just hard cut to Adrian Newey right after like they were craning <laughs> yeah. out the Red Bull and you just see him up in the box like, hmm, they're revealing my secret sauce. You know, it's very, it was a very fun, like, it was like a cut from the office or something. It was like hard cut to the grumpy old man in the window box. Yeah, that's that one thing that stays hidden throughout the year usually, especially if you're the top team and you don't wreck. And that was like some secret sauce that they showed off. Yep, good qualifying, really happy, and then lights go out on Sunday, and it all goes to shit kind of immediately. Stroll, horrible start. I don't know if you caught that, but had some contact with Sargent at turn five, and he was not the only one. It looked like the goddamn kindergarten lunch line at the back of the grid near the hairpin. It was, like, they just, I I don't even think they even got to get to all the replays. Like, I didn't even get a breakdown of who all hit who, but it was was immediate, and it was, like, you had people diving into the pit lanes, including Sergeant. I think there was a Haas. Yeah, it was just an accordion effect. Yeah, this was also the race of the broken wing. I feel like at least three or four people went in for broken wings or or were nursing broken wings for most of the race, like Carlos Sainz, who broke his front wing on Ocon's back tire on lap 14, which kind of ruined any chance that he would be moving forward. Yeah, wings were at a hot commodity. I mean, they were having a fire sale on wings this weekend. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty, like, the first, the opening lap was was crazy, and then things kind of settled in. I don't know, I I was kind of keeping an eye on the back of the grid, because that was kind of where the more interesting things were happening. Obviously, everyone kind of settled into their groove at the front of the race. Yeah, they didn't even show Max. You come back to that at the end. No, no, you wave goodbye to him pretty early, it seems like, every race. Until the next pits around lap, whatever it was, 40, 50, whenever they pitted. Yeah, well. Yeah, he didn't even hear, he's just like, oh, I'm up here 20 seconds ahead just la di da da yeah well you know spoiler alert the closest person to him was 28 seconds back so that's like a full sector yeah. in monaco so i noted around lap 18 that sergeant and and i mean he had a lot going on today he just starts letting everybody by and he, he started on mediums and they were kind of anticipating like the mediums would fall off around lap 30 or in that range 30 to 40 obviously people went longer but they were kind of predicting the mediums would fall off around lap 30 or 40 but sergeant just starts like tanking his race i don't know what happened he just starts letting everybody by him because he qualified 16th and i think in the kerfuffle he might have even gained a spot or two at the beginning of the race then he just starts dropping like a rock i don't know what was going on they were discussing like maybe his tires were warning out but i don't know how his tires would have worn out at lap 18 i thought that was really strange he had a stop 
on lap 20 and then came in again for lap 23. Um, it's not saying here what changed. I'm assuming that's a wing or something if he came in that quickly. But yeah, I mean, it's a difficult course. And I mean, F2 does race here. I'm assuming he's had some experience on this track. You can't really just be like, oh, it's Miami. He hasn't drove this track before. You know, he's got some experience here, but it's a it's a challenging course. And Logan, it's weird. He's not really getting criticized in the mainstream media. It's a lot of Nick DeFries is getting criticized about underperforming, but maybe it's just because he's in a Williams and everyone's like, ah, oh, he's, he's an American. He's in Williams. We get graded on a curve sometimes. Yes, but like no one's really talking about how piss poor of a performance Logan Sargent really has had this year. Yeah, this race in particular was pretty, pretty bad, finishing dead last. Of course, there's some accidents behind him. But yeah, they did know that that tires seemed to be degrading more quickly than expected. I think we saw that with Alonzo and with Signs. Kind of surprised to hear that at a race like this. They were kind of caught off guard. Yeah, everyone was caught off guard on the tire degrading. It was everyone was complaining about it. I mean, those yellow mediums were just falling off like crazy. Well, and I think the, the other problem that was happening was Esteban was in third place thanks to Leclerc's uh, penalty from qualifying. And a lot of those guys were queuing up behind him and were stuck behind him. Couldn't get around him. And even if they were in a faster car, like the Mercedes and the Ferraris, so their tires were probably having to work harder because they were just kind of stuck behind him, yeah. you know, in his dirty air. His, their tires are working harder than they would need to otherwise. And that queue didn't go away because even by the end of the race, I think Lewis was only a couple of seconds behind him, and then I think the rate, I think the rain kind of changed some of that. But before the rain, I know they were all kind of bumper to bumper for the most part. Yeah, speaking of like, I guess we can get into before the rain part of the race. It was so weird that Norris goes in for hards at the same time. George is like, it's spitting rain in this sector. It's like what well, there was a lot of weird tire calls. I mean, it was like Alon Alonzo. Alonzo was the big one. I even have a note right here. It says Alonzo on mediums. What the fuck. That ruined his race. I mean, that was it yeah. after that. I'm like, well, no, there's no shot now. Because if he'd gone in for the enters, I think that would have put him closer, closer. to Max. Because he went in before Max. Not 30 seconds behind him by the end of the race. I know that for sure. Because Max stayed on mediums for a while. And he was struggling yeah, Alonso on went them. in first. And if Alonzo had got out with the enters, he could have made up some time while Max was like nursing it around the course. It was, it was, Aston Martin can never say anything about Ferrari's strategy. That was the worst call of the race. No. Absolutely no. embarrassing. It's like Ferrari got on the radio for Aston Martin. I was like, hey, we're coming in for some mediums real quick. And Alonzo was like, okay. I mean, I don't even know why he agreed to that. It was weird that he he didn't even disagree with it. I mean, maybe they thought it was going to let up. I don't know. They were using a different radar than everybody that was watching the race. He started on the hard tire. Yes. So it's not like he's on a medium because Max was on a medium tire that yeah. was ancient by this point. So Fernando had the advantage in every way. Like get in, put this put the intermediate on, make up your time, and then Max comes out like right in front of you probably. Yeah, Max stopped at lap he stopped at lap fifty five. So that was yeah. late. I mean, that was, well, I think it started raining like late 40, lap 40, like 48 or something like that, early 50s. But still, like one lap around Monaco. I mean, just look at Stroll. What <laughs> He pinballed off the damn walls at 50 times and he was on enters. Now do that on mediums. I mean, that's just another testament to Max being able to drive that car. 
Yeah, everything just begins to fall apart around lap 55. Like, the brain begins to pour. Everyone starts making different tire calls. Alonzo took to mediums on lap 53, and then most everybody else jumped to enters. Um, you had signs, like, with incidents in the wet sections. Russell hit hit by Perez. Like, there was an unsafe rejoin there. Yeah. That was a serious hit. I didn't realize how bad that was. Well, they couldn't even get to it. There's so much happening. You had Stroll like playing bumper cars in the hairpin. It was pandemonium. It was. I, I was like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I couldn't. I was not anticipating this for Monaco. Yeah, I saw that replay on an Instagram reel of Russell backing into Perez. I was like, holy shit! That really like. I was like, I did not it's catch bad. that. You know, I must have been looking at my boarding ticket at the time. But I was like, oh my god! Like, how did that even happen? Sergio's Sunday did not improve. The nail was already in the coffin, but, you know, they backed up no. a cement truck and buried Sergio, him by that point. Sergio stopped five times, by the way. He took five pit stops. <laughs> he was just there for research and development for, yeah. so they can make better calls for Max's race. That, so. that sucks for him. 25, 25 points in the hole. I did want to note, though, that before all of that rain happened, Max was still on a medium tire on almost lap 50 and wasn't really losing any time to Perez, who was on an old hard tire. Like, it was crazy. That Red Bull just is so good at preserving its tires, especially in clean air. And I'm assuming Max isn't pushing full throttle, you know? So it just gives you kind of no hope for any kind of excitement at the front, which is kind of why you mentioned earlier, you just kind of say, there goes Max. All right, it's lap five. We'll see you at lap 69 or whatever it is. I think Perez had a chance of getting into the points if it went dry because he had that early incident and he pitted and then he caught right back up to the pack of people that hadn't pitted yet. He had already made up the entire time. He was running blistering fast laps and he would have just gone right past them all. And that would have been another interesting race if it wouldn't have gone wet. Whenever it started raining, it really ended Perez's hope because he had to go in and pit again. Perez was kind of at the mercy of the rest of the grid around him. And unfortunately, that was where all the nonsense was happening with the Haases and the Williams and, and DeVries and all of those guys. So it just didn't help him. Yeah, out. the best thing they did for him was let him pit early and just get away from all that. Yeah, that was that, to be fair, that was a sound strategy. Put him on the hard and we know we could go forever on hard because of what we learned at Azerbaijan. So um, just... Heck, you can go forever on mediums, apparently. If you're in a freaking Red Bull designed by Adrian Newey that looks like a freaking (laughs) dolphin on steroids, the side parts... I I made that note off show, but we were looking at some photos of the Red Bull bodywork and I pointed out to Caleb, I'm like, look at it. The rest of the cars look like machines, but that Red Bull side pod looks like a muscle, like a flexed forearm, a a side profile of like a dolphin or a killer whale or something. It's insane. It's so refined. It's not even fair. Yeah, it's a very organic shape for sure. While everything else is, everyone else seems very ge- geometric almost. But yeah, um, I mean, this race was over once Alonzo double pitted. Uh, that was just the most asinine, throw your hands up in the air, what the hell is going on? That was the turning point of the race. And then Stroll, the other Aston Martin, was out after losing traction. I, I can't remember exactly where he lost, but he had new enters on, and then I think he fucked it into the wall. I mean, lap 55 was really where, like, I woke up. I'm like, oh, this is, like, everything. For- Yuki, God bless him, got back on the radio and, and was giving us a show. Yeah, he was. <laughs> and... um tragically has broken his streak of, of landing in ninth or 10th or 11th place. I think it's 10th or 11th that he had finished every race. So 
finished 15th. Yeah, it was like it was like 11th, 11th, 10th, 10th or something like that. Yeah, they put him on the enters and they had him change his brake balance and he very funnily got on the horn and said, "Are you trying to crash me?" Like these brakes are shit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think he bailed into the exit road and and lost his positions there. So um, that was that was a good time. Yeah, Yuki continues to outperform that car, which is it's impressive, honestly. Like I have always been down on Yuki. I think we all have. Just qualified ninth again here, and that's really respectable. Excited to see him at the next Grand Prix, not at a, this street course. I I think he can keep his streak going up with uh, finishing in the points. I mean, yeah, his streak broke at Monaco, but. I don't know. That's kind of like a mulligan track. Like that's true. As bad and as it, it was, was a rain race. All bets are off for a rain race. Yeah, I don't know. There was there was just not that much movement. There was actually more movement happening at the back, of course, which that's not too out of the ordinary for any race. But I, I did note how heartbreaking it was to see Max lap his teammate not only once but twice. And there was quite a few guys who were actually two laps down by the end of the race. Not a good day for Perez, who I think I had pr- predicted to win this race. It was not fun for me watching my prediction go so wrong. <laughs> the championship battle for first kind of fading away now. Yeah, I don't think you were wrong in that prediction, though. I mean, I think everybody was kind of under the same mind that, oh, it's a street course. Perez has got a great streak going on with street courses. He's the street fighter. And I think you finally, he got defeated by a street course. I mean, about as bad as you could have of a performance around Monaco is what he had this weekend. Don't know what it is about Monaco that gets him jittery and uh, just hate to see it. So really hoping for a Perez comeback. All our hopes are kind of riding on him to take it to max. Just not good. Did did you have any other notes up and down the grid at any point of the race before we kind of get into the the end here? Yeah, I mean, I was going to speak some more about Ferrari. I think it's frustrating for both drivers and probably the team in general because last year we were just saying, oh, it's the strategy. The car is great. Oh, it's the strategy. And I feel like they haven't made as egregious of strategy calls as they did last year. There have definitely been some questionable ones, but I think every team other than maybe Red Bull has made some questionable calls this year. I think it's super frustrating for these drivers to be like, oh my gosh, like we've got this new team principal and you know things should be better. We should have better strategy now. Our car was great last year and now they're just not performing whatsoever it just now it almost is like the inverse problem i'm with you i don't think the strategy calls are as bad the pit stops are much more consistent but i feel like those guys nabbed second and when you get second you get way less arrow time because they they definitely weren't second the year before so now they're going in with new management less arrow time and they got to figure out how to stay right behind red bull and they couldn't do it i mean red bull had penalties and way way less arrow time and look how far ahead they are yeah but they already had a machine that could get the job done basically so they didn't need to spend as much at least that's my my theory they already had something that worked really well and then it was just about spending the budget and time you do have to fine-tune yeah it just seems like the ferrari has taken more steps backwards than it has forward this year and at least everybody else around the grid it seems like they at least stayed in place or improved but it just seems like the ferrari hasn't done anything it's just like stagnant if anything 
everything got worse than last year. I mean, we saw glimmers of some speed, but I don't know. Maybe it's just the Aston Martin being so much better and it's taken that spot. Even the Mercedes versus Ferrari battle, it even almost seems like the Mercedes is outperforming that Ferrari at times. And especially with these new upgrades, who knows how good Mercedes is going to be because they're just going to continue to improve this philosophy that they've brought to Monaco for the rest of the year. And if they hit on something, well, we already have seen how good Mercedes can get. Oh, definitely. So it just seems like Ferrari is just not, I don't know, it's weird. It's it's definitely raised an eyebrow like throughout this whole year. I'm like waiting for them to do good. I mean, so Charles got pole at Azerbaijan and it looked like he was like doing great. It looked like Ferrari was like, okay, they've got something here. Here we go, Mr. Saturday again. But it's like they had that one little glimmer and nothing else has happened since then. So it's just very odd to say the least. Yeah, no, I've not seen almost, besides like the really strange conditions of Azerbaijan, there's been nothing to write about Ferrari. Very middling. Definitely always get in the points unless there's a mechanical issue. That's another thing we haven't even thought, talked about in a few races. These guys are, especially Leclerc, eating through parts quicker than anybody else at their point in the grid. So they've got that to worry about. It's a long season. We're only seven races in. Leclerc is going to take another grid penalty his next few power unit parts. So they're going to have that to contend with as well. Their season's done. Like, let's just get it out of the way now. There's no salvaging that for Ferrari. I wasn't even paying attention to them too much. They kept showing signs who just kept like, it was like comedy of errors for him today too, just like stroll. But then you had guys quietly doing really well that we haven't got to talk about the the kids at alpine who both qualified good and finished good and then you had mclaren who's been kind of a joke this season do what we've always talked about since the beginning of the season they snuck into those last two slots at the end there and took advantage of yuki's troubles nabbed ninth and tenth the last paying point positions so there's a lot of people taking advantage of kind of the the hectic madness that we saw and for teams like alpine and mclaren that's going to be a huge difference making near the end of the season when there's so few points on the table for those teams yeah totally agree but again we didn't really talk about it too much and i don't want to get there's not really much to get into the weeds about it but congrats to ocon getting a podium he was super excited which i mean i would have been too but podium at monaco that's that's pretty cool so yeah it was i mean this is something they dream about as kids so it's just a breath of fresh air not to see the same three every every week. <laughs> yes, I always love it. And Ocon's not like a favorite of mine or anything. But it is nice to see guys when they could drag a car that has no business being that far up the order, get there and, and he maintained his position, didn't make any errors, you know, nabbed his trophy. I thought that was really cool. Amazing points for them, like season changing points for Alpine, who've been kind of under the gun from their ownership. So that firmly puts them back in fifth place after they've kind of been playing hokey pokey with mclaren here there the first few races but that's gonna be a hard gap for mclaren to make up when most weeks there's only three points to make a difference and now alpine have kind of doubled their lead with uh, their finishes this weekend so it'll be quite a while before i think mclaren can find an answer for that yeah that alpine owner gotta be a tough pill to swallow because ever since he said that it's like that team came alive well they're french so i'm sure her her yeah methodology is gonna be see look how good they do when you bad talk them yeah <laughs> but still even people were talking about it before the race like I, I don't know if there have been more words said but it sounded like there had maybe had been since miami and it's just like what like dude finished on a podium ghastly was like what p7 mm-hmm. yeah and in miami they believe they both finished in points so it's like what what more do you want we're not gonna win 
B3 is pretty good. Yeah. Find some money, steal away some better uh, development team members for us, or shut the fuck up. So, Caleb, what were you thinking about the results of this race? Were you surprised, or was this kind of what you were expecting? I was glad that rain happened. I think we just need to install sprinklers at every single course, and there's somebody with a magic button that can press it in the middle of a race. Maybe. Maybe not. Just like a roll of the dice, and then we can get a rain race in the middle of it. I think it spices it up. I was definitely thinking this is going to be like Boy Called Wolf when they were talking about it. I'm like, eh, it's not actually going to rain. Like, it's going to skirt by, or it's going to dissipate. You know, it just didn't seem like... Like it was going to be one of those races where it actually rained. I thought it was going to be a bluff, but it rained just enough to make a huge mess, and then it dried up. Yeah, but I really enjoyed the race. I thought it was interesting. Maybe not the first half, but the second half was bumper cars, and are we going full wets? Are we going enters? Or are we just going to stay on mediums? Like, what's going to happen? Yeah, yeah, you're right. It definitely woke up a lot of people who were probably kind of thinking this race had settled into what it was going to result in. But the, f- the first few laps of the race were actually really interesting. Everybody was pushing the limit, making some risky, sometimes boneheaded calls. Like, there was broken wings and, and driver errors and, and lots of interesting stuff happening at the beginning of the race too. Yeah, it, it, it kind of settled in by lap 55, but that kind of twist right there in, in the third act helped a lot. I give this race an A- minus for rewatchability value. I can't believe I'm saying that about Monaco. It's usually the race that I am not thrilled about. Me and Caleb called it a funeral procession, a Macy's Day parade. We were not hyped for this race, but it turned out to be probably one of the best watches of the year so far. I'd say this and maybe the Australia Grand Prix so far are, have been the most exciting doesn't help that that was also another race where there was a lot of accidents and chaos happening but when you kind of know what to expect every weekend when you follow a sport this close that's just kind of what we have to expect so uh, i appreciate the monaco weather for waking this grid up a little bit caleb what were your kind of thoughts about this race yeah i agree with everything that you said i was thinking maybe i think like an a minus somewhere around there maybe a b plus i was kind of teetering between those two grades didn't really know which one to give it but it's definitely a rewatchable race or if you haven't or if you've missed it or something like that then go watch it because even though you've listened to our breakdown of it now it's still a fun race to watch also zero red flags yeah uh, that was i think there are zero red flags with the race and all the broken wings and and debris on the track these these monaco these monaco guys these monaco guys are like "Mm, just keep going (laughs) meanwhile in australia this would have been like our fifth red flag on lap you know 55 we would this this race would not have been happening like in australia (laughs) there wasn't even as much as a safety car so there's a few yellow sectors but man they were just they're like oh this is monaco this is this is a normal traffic here they've been doing this for 80 years this is nothing to them like is this a broken wing uh keep going Yeah, it is a really good race, so can't recommend it enough. Yep, so really, really exciting race. Now we have Spain to look forward to. Barcelona, that's going to be a much faster track. Rumored is this is when Ferrari is going to come with their big upgrade package. And we'll hopefully get to see the full extent of what Mercedes has brought to the table here. Maybe they make some more fine refinements. We didn't really get to talk about that. We weren't super impressed with what we saw from Mercedes. But I'm hoping we get to see the full extent of their capabilities with what they have going on now. Now that they're a little bit more in line with the rest of the grid. Caleb, any final thoughts about this race weekend and looking forward to to Barcelona? Yeah, I'm ready to see Mercedes upgrades at a proper racetrack. It was really hard to judge anything i mean i think all the mercedes fans got super excited when lewis did good in practice i'm like ah let's not jump the gun here 
just yet. We're, we still got a lot of time to go. So it should be interesting to see what they come with in, in Spain. And hopefully it'll be a competitive package. But if you look at last year's race at Spain, I mean, come on, man. Max lapped everybody up to P9. Think Come on. That was Alonzo. Don't do Alonzo last Please year was one us. lap down Please. by the end of the race, and he he finished in the points. We want to be looking forward to this race. This is going to be uh, the race where yeah. Sergio bounces back and takes it to Max, and he's on the better strategy, and Max has a mechanical failure on lap, you know, 43 and the championship swings back into contention that's how you build up the next episode sir probably but i'm just more of a realistic type of person so we'll we'll see i'm excited for a real racetrack we've went through the whole miami thing we went through the monaco thing definitely let's get back to racetracks let's see a proper course that's right we got we got austria we got silverstone hungary belgium we got some fast tracks coming so way more uh, purpose built room for some passing room for some maneuvers so really amped for that well we appreciate you guys listening to our show make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts check us out on youtube at formula breakdown and we'll see you and next time.